My mic sounds nice, check four. My mic sounds nice, check five. My mic sounds good. Why you always do, do it. all that? Do it. Microphone check. One, two, three. One, two, three. Here I go. Yeah, I like that. How do I sound? I like it like that. I like it like that. Is this a good volume? Now can we hear each other over each other? Alright, let me talking. talk when let me see no, you talk about you know what I mean. Well, listen to me. I wanna talk about this. C-Motionals friends out there, welcome to episode 15 of the C-Motionals podcast. Thank you for diving in to uh, this. Welcome. Oh, that was my co-host uh, introducing herself, everyone. I was trying to be a dolphin. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> maybe one day you can master the... the maybe. Me either. Yeah. <laughs> I had a friend that could do it. Yeah, maybe you just have to like live with a dolphin for a little bit until you learn. All right. <sighs> All right, so we had a spooky episode. It came out a couple weeks ago, and you know we thought let's get back into the spookiness as we're nearing Halloween. Spooky. This will be the last Halloween episode that we do, and this for is going to be yes for this year. Wait until next year. So this year we have a real doozy. A doozy? Isn't that like a bad thing? No, I think it means good. No. I think a it means doozy good. like means it's like failed. Like what a doozy. Like that was not good. A real doozy means an extraordinary one of its kind. Really? Yeah, that's what I thought it meant. I always thought it meant like... It's something that is extraordinary. Often troublesome, difficult, or extraordinary in a positive sense. So it's got like a I thought it was negative. Mm-mm. Like, that was a doozy. Like, that was terrible. Like, that's a doozy. I don't know. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> so we have pulled together some of the most terrifying, evil, crazy, creepy, crawly creatures that have ever walked the earth. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I wouldn't say there. they're evil. Yeah, no, they're not evil. They're just living their lives. But they are really creepy, and some of them are scary. Some of them are just downright uh, bizarre. Make sure you have your nightlight on. Yeah. You might have some nightmares about these animals, so I, we are not responsible for any nightmares caused Aww. after this episode. We cannot be responsible. <laughs> yeah, I think we should get started. I do have a joke this episode, so I'm ready, okay. I'm ready to read it off. It's sure to make you laugh. We'll see about that. Sure. Get it? Because the shore. Okay. Was that the joke? No. 
That was just preparation for the joke. Well, I didn't laugh. Okay. So. I was. I mean, I wasn't mean meant to make you laugh. So. What is a blue whale's favorite James Bond film? Double O C. That doesn't make sense. That was a good guess, but it's license to krill. Because they eat krill. <laughs> okay, you're like uh, you're like unimpressed beyond all. They're not good. Or all all believe. That wasn't good. <sighs> Are you doing another one? I'm gonna do one more. What kind of music do killer whales like? Rock and roll. No, they like the orchestra. <laughs> Orca. Stroll. Yeah. Uh, okay, I, I'll win one day. One day I'll win. I, I hope at least like one of the audience members can find solace in laughter in you not enjoying my it's jokes. It's like painful to listen to them. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I think this is just our bit. I tell a really bad <sighs> joke and the audience laughs at how unimpressed you are. <laughs> I'm waiting for an actual funny joke where it's like, oh, well, that was really good. These are like, oh, they're dreadful. I'll, I'll come up with some better <clears> ones <throat> or find a really good one from somewhere. All right. That would be good. All right. Let's have you start the episode off okay. with some scary, spooky uh, creatures. We're going to start off with a creature that was featured in our spooky story was the villain Creature in our story. Feature. If you didn't listen to our spooky story, then you should. Mm-hmm. That's pretty great. But I'm going to talk about the ghost shark. Ah. Also known as the, as chimeras. Mm-hmm. That's its actual name, but it's known as the ghost shark. Also called spook fish, rat fish, rabbit fish, and even elephant fish. Due to their rather odd-looking and eerie-looking appearances. Yeah, they look like ghosts. They do look like ghosts, which is why they've been given that name. But they actually, they're actually not sharks. They are cartilaginous fish. Mm. So they're fish. They're not sharks. They like to dwell in very deep water. Between 400 and 2,000 meters deep. And they're also one of the among one of the oldest fish in the ocean. Do you know that? Oh no, I didn't know that. Very old fish. I do like me some old fish. Not not to eat or anything, just to uh, like like to research them, yeah. Well it's a very, very old fish. I guess it kinda looks pretty old. I mean, yeah, I'm looking at pictures here. You should take a look at some photos of ghost shark to see what they look like. They do look creepy. Um, they have three pairs of continually growing tooth plates on the roof of their mouth and lower jaw. It allows them to like chomp down. So they don't really use like sharp teeth to chew. They use like these like plates. Kind of like a Dunkleos tooth, just at a small scale. At a small scale, yeah. Their eyes are super creepy. They almost look like white. And they have a reflective tissue layer on them. And it makes the, their eyes look like they glow in the dark. And it, it gives that ghost-like appearance, which is mostly mm. why they've gotten that name. 
They also have super large eyes. But the reflective tissue and the large eyes help them to absorb more light because they dwell in very, very dark water. So they need to, I guess, see a little bit. So they have special eyes for that. They also have a spine running down its center with venom. So it does have venom. Mm. And this is designed to pierce hungry predators. Oh. So, yeah, it's a defense that they have. And apparently it's been reported that it's, you know, pierced some humans before. Uh, really? And has caused excruciating pain, as it's been reported. Well, it is venomous. Yeah, I see you're the, being stabbed. Like a little barb. Yeah. They live in almost total darkness, which is creepy. Like this ghost shark down in the spooky, dark depths of the ocean. And something other, like, really cool about them is that they can sense electric fields. Hmm. They have specialized sense organs called electroreceptors, which allow them to sense the tiny electric currents produced by muscles of other organisms. Oh, that's interesting. The receptors are in their pores, which are clustered around its head. And it allows them to accurately aim its jaws at their prey. Just really interesting that they're using these electric sensors to find their prey. Very evolved. Very evolved. That's so evolution. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at a picture of a baby one. It's adorable. The babies are adorable. The older ones are very creepy. Some of their abilities are just kind of creepy altogether like i don't think many um humans encounter them very often just because of how deep down they are but apparently humans have been around them before i definitely would not want to be around them i actually have to look up how big they are they like they look tiny tiny yeah, like a foot or two i want to see how big they are the maximum reported size is 49 inches okay so mm-hmm. almost four feet yeah, so as a like for a fish, that's big. That's very big. But that's the maximum. That's the biggest they've ever seen. Hmm. But yeah, that's everything I have about the ghost shark. All right. Well, yeah, yeah I'm going to continue here with the Halloween symbology here. You know, we had a ghost shark. Now we have a wolf fish. Oh. And uh, yeah, this guy is pretty gnarly looking. Okay, I'm going to look him up. He's pretty darn gnarly looking. So it's called the Atlantic Wolf Fish, also known as the Sea Wolf. I love Sea Wolf. I know, the band. Shout out to Sea Wolf. (laughs) (laughs) And also the Devil Fish, which I don't really get that one, but they look like wolves, kind of, of like the sea. They're really savage looking. So they have canine-like front teeth that expulse out of their front of their mouth that pretty much do what canine teeth do. They chomp. They chomp and rip and tear. They're a predator, given, you know, what they are, the wolf fish. And they're actually known for their temperament and ferocious appearance. What's their temperament? Very aggressive. Oh. Yeah, you do not want to be in the water with these things. And, like, if you're no. afraid of a shark attacking you because it's hungry... These guys will just attack you because they see you. Oh, wow. If you come into its territory, it's very, like, territorial, like wolves. So it's like a chihuahua. Yeah, like, if you come into its territory, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come at you. 
another do wolves do that? Yeah, if you're threatening them. If well, yeah, if, they, if, you if feel, you're threatening them. But a threat could just be you in their territory. Yeah. Another interesting thing about wolffish is that it, it's not like a proven thing, but in the science community, it's just known that wolffish skulls actually look somewhat similar to wolf skulls in characteristics. So if you look really? up a wolf skull and you look up a wolf fish skull, it, a wolf fish skull kind of looks like if a wolf skull was eroded underwater. Mm. It's really interesting. They're very similar. Do so you think they evolved from wolves? I don't think they're even closely related. <laughs> <laughs> I want to think that maybe like a wolf fell in the water and evolved right. into that a long time ago. It didn't die. You just Turned into evolved. a wolf fish. So some other facts I have here is that they eat crabs, clams, sea urchins, and starfish, and they don't necessarily eat humans. They just have been known to attack humans. I think another scary fact is like, so you see a wolf fish and you're like, oh, I mean, like, how big can they be, though? Like, most fish are just not that big. And it's like, well, generally on average, like four to five feet, which is normal for a fish in the ocean, but sometimes can get up to eight. Oh, wow. Yep. And so if you see a couple pictures I have here of like a wolf fish, you can see that's its mouth size, which it could swallow your head whole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if it really wanted to. This guy is struggling to carry it. Yeah. But what's really sad about wolf fish is they are concerned in the endangerment field. Mm -hmm. They're definitely concerned. And that's because they have been completely just obliterated in the fishing industry, which is funny because... You never see wolf fish on the menu. Mm -mm. And the reason for that is you're most likely eating these guys when it says grouper on the menu with grouper. They're bigger? Be well, because grouper oh. is more known in the world. If you had wolf fish on a, re on a menu, someone's going to be like, you're going to get the eccentric people who are like, yeah, I want that. Mm -hmm. But then most people are going to be like, I don't know what that is. And so the fishing industry is just destroying them right now. And uh, I think it's really sad. So there is an act that's out right now. Um, Oceana is supporting it. I think we'll have more. I don't want to talk about it on the podcast, but it's basically a ban on um, most U.S. fishing on fish that we don't necessarily eat. Mm -hmm. Salmon and that and game fish are still available for fishing, but they're talking about like fish like this. Like you can't fish anymore. Yeah, it'll be illegal. And so we'll have more on that on our socials, but. Yeah, that's all I want to talk about, the wolffish. The next one is the bearded vulture. When I saw this one, I knew that I had to talk about it. Okay. Because this bird is really, really cool. It is the bird of prey, and it's a mysterious scavenger, also identified as a mythical bird. And that's what I see when I look at it. It looks oh. really myth- like. It reminds me of literally spitting image of... The hippogriff, was it called in Harry Potter? Yeah, it does remind me of Harry Potter. Maybe it is that bird. The hippogriff. Only the hippogriff was like half horse, huge. But it's like the face of this thing. Yeah. Maybe that's where they got the. They got it from because it, it does remind me of something. Yeah. It's cool. They're so cool. You definitely need to look up the bearded vulture. Just some things about it. <laughs> They're mostly orange, and that coloration can come from, like, dust bathing, mm. rubbing mud on its body, or from drinking mineral-rich waters. 
You are um, what you eat. <laughs> they also have like dark gray. The adults have like dark gray and black on their body. Um, they also have a, a black beard that gives the bird its English name. Hmm. Bearded vulture because it has a black beard on it. He's a pirate. They're associated with mountains and cliffs and canyons. And they're often found near alpine pastures and meadows, rocky rocky areas and forests. The more I look at them, the more I just see like dark wizard. I know. that's I love it. Like minions of Saruman or something. Like they just look like dark wizards. <laughs> They fly around a ton. Like they like year round they they have like a large area that they'll fly around. They don't really just stay in one area. They have like a large territory that they'll they'll kind of fly around. They live in pairs, but outside of the breeding season, they usually like to spend their time alone. They soar for many hours throughout the day in search for carcasses or live prey. So when they're feeding, they can swallow whole. Or they bite through bones. So they, they actually eat bones, which is really just like chomp, strange. Chomp. Doesn't matter to me. They can eat bones up to the size of a lamb's femur. And they can dissolve like the bones in their digestive systems. Nice. Nice. They know how to crack bones. Like if they're too large, they can crack them. And they also do this thing where they um, will fly around and drop the animal. The prey. <laughs> They'll drop the prey on the ground so their bones smash. So that's something that... That is brutal. Yeah, it's very weird. If they're like, I'm having trouble cracking this, I'm going to fly up and just drop it. They can fly up with bones weighing over eight pounds. That's like the same weight that they are. And it says that th- that skill of like dropping the bones, which they may do multiple times if they notice the bones haven't cracked enough, it can like require them years to master apparently. Like the immature birds can't do that. <laughs> It's like it's a uh, rite of passage. It, I guess so. <laughs> it says they could take them seven years to master. They're one of the most endangered European bird species. Mm. They have major threats: decrease in habitat space, fatal collisions, reduced food availability, and also trophy hunting. Yeah. Fact that I learned about them: Iranian mythology considers the rare bearded vulture the symbol of luck and happiness. It was believed that if the shadow of Homa fell on one. He would rise to sovereignty, and anyone shooting the bird would die in 40 days. Glad to see it's respected in Iranian mythology. You would die. You would die in 40 days, which now, like, people are shooting it for trophy hunting, so they obviously don't. I mean, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Who knows? I don't know if that's happened, but. All right. I'm going to go back into the ocean. I'm going to dive back into the ocean here with this one. Wanted to talk about the pelican eel better known as the gulper eel in modern years, is a giant deep-sea snake eel with a gigantic mouth. Oh. And the funniest thing about this name of this dang creature is that it's actually not an eel at all. It's just a deep-sea fish. Okay. But it does look like an eel, like a species of eel. And what it does is it expands its throat and its stomach to accommodate food. Like a snake. And it just takes in food and water, and then it just slowly expels the water through the gills. And um, it can eat a lot. (laughs) Like, a lot. So its mouth 
It might look kind of small, but its mouth can actually expand up to three to four feet. Oh, wow. So just just sucking, <laughs> sucking whatever they want in. They can eat whole squids at once, swarms of shrimp. They've sucked in whole fishes before. They prefer squids. Yeah. Like it looks like a straight demon from some video game. And it looks like it's probably like one of the craziest hunters in the bottom of the ocean. Like you look at that thing, you're like, that thing probably has a monopoly at the bottom of the ocean. But it actually doesn't. It's a bad hunter. Hmm. It's lazy, like an underwater panda. It has extremely small eyes. It can't see much. It lives in the utter complete darkness of the bottom of the ocean. And it uses a reddish pink light on its rear fin. That just basically lures its next meal. So it kind of does what an anglerfish does. Yeah. It's also not much of a swimmer. It has a whip-like tail, no pelvic fins, no swim bladders for, you know, stabilization. Uh, it has scales, which makes it a little bit heavier. And it's not built for going long distances. They don't leave the depths ever. <laughs> and it makes us really hard for us to, like, gain any knowledge of them. Because unlike most fish that kind of try to go to the surface sometimes like they rarely ever leave the surface like i don't think they could ever you know eat a human yeah because their body is not big enough like their mouth could probably take in a small child but where is it going to go in its body yeah it wouldn't really go anywhere they just have like a giant mouth so their mouth is like it's really crazy um so you don't really have to worry about them eating you another fun fact i wanted to throw out before we move on which I thought was really cool, is they actually live to, like, 80 years. Oh, wow. You know, like, most fish are, like, you know, 5 to 10 range. They live for 85 years. That's a long time. And I think it's probably just to their slow-moving lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, the food will come to me. It's fine. Just open my mouth. Something will come in. Yeah. Oh, is that a cave? (gasps) Yeah, probably does happen, yeah. All right, next one we're going to talk about the Goliath bird-eating tarantula. Mm. Have you ever heard about this? Yes. It is the largest tarantula spooder. in the world. It's the largest spooter. And this is what freaks me out the most, just its size. Okay, its body <laughs> measures five inches. So just like picture five inches. That's its body. Mm-hmm. And then the leg span is up to 12 inches. Like imagine a foot long spider. Oh my gosh. A foot long. Sp- imagine it's a spider that Pretty big. massive. I mean, just be thankful they don't get any bigger than that. Ugh. <sighs> Their name derived from an early 18th century copper engraving that shows one of them eating a hummingbird. So the bird eating a tarantula. They, but they eat a lot of other things, invertebrates, mice, frogs, lizards, and birds. And they live in the deep rainforest. Mm. It's like my like worst nightmare going to like a deep rainforest and seeing this. I mean, it would be amazing to see. I just wouldn't want it to get next to me. But it, it lives in like burrows and under rocks and roots. When they need to defend themselves, they rub their hairs together to create a hissing noise. And it can be heard from 15 feet away. At least you may know that they're there because they're hissing. I'm sure other animals hiss too, but they have a sound that may tell you, oh, there's a giant spider Let nearby. Me leave wherever this is coming from. They could also like shoot their hairs out and like attack with them. Like quills. <laughs> they do have venom in their fangs. And they do bite, but their venom is not that poisonous. It's kind of comparable to getting a wasp sting. So it would hurt, but you would be okay. Mm. They do not consume their prey in the open. 
they like to drag it back and burrow and begin digesting it there. Creepy. And they they do this by liquefying the insides of their prey and proceed to suck it dry. Apparently, that's how they eat. Yeah, I heard something about that. It was like they burn with the venom. They like burn <clears throat> the insides with their like secretion, their poison, and then they just drag the prey back. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. Another, but they're super creepy. They're super cool. I would definitely pet one. Oh, I would pet one. I mean, as long as they're that one is somewhat nice. I love spiders. Yeah, I've always liked tarantulas, and the reason why I like tarantulas is because they're fuzzy. Yeah, that's they're like cute. the only reason. They're really cute. As a human, as long as you're not, I feel like I mean, maybe a wild one. Definitely don't go up to a wild spider. But like, you've raised a spider. People say that they're very. Docile. I love them. Docile, like, yeah. Let's uh, dive back into the ocean again <laughs> with my next one. Okay. We're going to talk about the marine hatchetfish, specifically the marine hatchetfish, because there's okay. other hatchetfishes species, but the one that I'm talking about, just in case you science nerds, it's Thernopti Shanae. That's the scientific name. This guy looks like he got run over by a car yeah he does beat with a pipe iron and then just lost all maybe struck by lightning a few times yeah you're right look at its face yeah he he's had a rough a rough go at life um they look look, they're funny yeah they look interesting they look like they're kind of surprised that like you know like you gave them a present and then they're like is that for me? They also look very scared. Yeah. So I was just thinking this fits with the Halloween theme. Anyway, so they're a really interesting fish. They also do bioluminescence. They have light-producing organs in rows along their bellies. So if you actually look up bioluminescent marine hatchet fish, mm-hmm. you'll see some very pretty images. The crazy thing about these is you look at the Google images and you're like, oh, they actually are like, you know, look pretty big, right? No. The maximum length for these guys is like three inches. They're okay. very small. They're very small. They're super tiny. So like, yeah, they look scary, but you don't have to worry about them because they're no longer bigger than your pinky finger. Mm-hmm. And they live at depths between 1,000 to 4,000 feet. So they're real deep mm-hmm. down there. They only eat like little baby crustaceans, plankton, little baby shrimps, um, small things that are very tiny. And I don't know. It's just one of the most terrifying fish that I feel look-wise has ever existed. Or simultaneously the most terrified fish (laughs) that has ever lived. They get their name because they look like a hunting hatchet. Their eyeballs. This is interesting here. So the specific marine hatchetfish species, their eyeballs actually go up. Oh. So if anyone knows what a barrel eye is, same thing with a barrel eye. The eyes focus up, and that's so that they can see anything above them Hmm. because they can see the light. And so if something swims across, they'll jump at it. That's how they hunt. Weird. So most of the time, their eyes are actually just always looking up. They're waiting for the prey. It's not to be confused with another species of deep sea hatchet fish where their eyes are on the side of them and they don't live as far down. It's very, there's so many types of hatchet fish, but I wanted to cover this specific one because they just look so goofy. They there's do. not even that much information about them. They're, they're really, 
since they live so far down, I can't. There's not much information on them other than a few pictures yeah. that we know about. And not, they're too small to be washed up to the surface in, like, you know, good condition. So we don't really know much about them other than that. Really creepy, but very cool. And when I first saw it, they kind of reminded me of Scream. Yeah, it's face. <laughs> Next up, we have the vampire squid. No, you want to be the vampire squid. Boogie squid. You'll not compete with Vampire the Lampredo. They live in the deep, deep, deep sea and they use bioluminescent organs and oxygen metabolism because they live in parts of the water that barely have any oxygen. <sighs> they resemble both squid and octopus, but they are neither. It has eight arms and two tentacles, and its name comes from its dark color. And also the skin that connects its multiple arms that forms a cape-like structure. They live around 2,000 to 3,000 feet deep. Oh my, that's deep. There's no light down there. No. Truly a vampire. Yeah. Their relative vampiromorphs. Vampiromorphs. They're almost identical. And they date back to over 200 million years. This means vampire squids are basically living fossils. The deep water conditions they live in have remained consistent all these years, which has kept their anatomy mostly the same. They have some of the largest eyes of any animal in the animal kingdom. Relative to their size, the eyes are located on the sides of their head, and they're either red or blue. I saw some pictures with their red eyes, and they are very creepy looking. Yeah. They look, you know, they look like Dracula with like his cape. They do. Like covered. They also use their cape to protect themselves. And they can actually turn themselves inside out by flipping their tentacles over their neck and head while cloaking themselves like a vampire. Ah. And that's where it's got its name. And since the water is so dark where they are, it makes it extremely hard for predators to see them. And like the posture, the pineapple posture refers to... How the spikes under the tentacles of the vampire squid are all visible when the creature is cloaked. They also have light-producing organs called photospores. They uh, cover their bodies, and this is how they create a bioluminescent mucus. I think the the creatures that can like glow are just really cool. Yeah, mostly all all of them down there have. I guess. Yeah, and it's like a mucus that protects them from predators. And it glows in the dark. They'll like glow their tentacles and it basically confuses their predators. And then the squid can make an escape. They're like, whoa, what's going on? It scares the predator. But it can also attract more deadly predators. So they they tend to only use that tactic like in dangerous times. So I guess they know when it's appropriate time to use it. They don't always use that tactic. Yeah. And they are detrivores. just feed on dead animals and decomposing matter. Huh. So I guess they don't have to hunt. That very, <laughs> very nicely leads into to my next one. When okay, you're that was it. That couldn't have lined up better with my next one. Okay. Which is zombie worms. Ooh, can you guess what zombie worms do? They eat brains. Actually, funny enough, no, no, they don't. 
They just eat dead, dead they things. Eat dead stuff. So these little guys, they the pitchers just are gross. Um, so they're just ocean creatures. They're sea creatures. They're sea creatures. They live in the ocean. They feed off one type of animal. You look them up, have fun. The pitchers are all very disgusting. But I just thought these were really cool to cover because I've never heard of them before. So I was fascinated when I was looking this up. They're small worms that specifically feed off of bones. Yeah. They seek and look to find bones in the ocean, floating a bit and about around mm, the ocean. Bones. Yeah. It's like that's a dog. <laughs> They're zombie dogs. Zombie dogs. They're little babies. They're only one to three inches long. They have no mouth and no other end. Like, there's no mouth, there's no butt. They actually were first discovered living in the bones of a rotting gray whale on the seafloor, nearly 10,000 feet below the surface in 2002. This is the first creature that's making me feel sick and mm-hmm. have chills. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait. I have, I have this one oh, and the great. next one. So they actually don't eat the whale bones either. Mm-hmm. They only digest the fats from within the bones. Considering they don't have a mouth or stomach, they secrete an acid from their skin that dissolves the bone. What that does is free up the fats and the proteins trapped inside once it's dissolved. And then there's symbiotic bacteria that lives on the worms. Symbiotic relationship. And that bacteria living in the worms' bodies digests those fats and proteins. Those fats and proteins pretty much get what they need out of it. And then it gets absorbed from the um, bacteria to the worm. That's how they eat from the bacteria on their body. Really weird eating process. Yeah. Pretty much are only found on dying whale carcasses. There's been a few different... Um, they like whale bones. Yeah, because, well, I mean, the whale just has more surface area, mm-hmm. so more zombie worm colonies can form. This is the even... Uh, the worst part about this is the worms do drilling. Uh, the only worms that drill into the whale bones and the whale carcasses are the females. There are no males Woo-hoo! that drill. The males live inside the females. I don't like that. (laughs) And uh, one study done by a research lab found, this is the the most that's ever been, 111 males inside one female worm. Now, mind you, these worms are only like one to three inches long anyway. Mm -hmm. So there's like 111 dudes living in you. And this eliminates the step of needing to find a guy because the eggs and the sperm are right there. Wow. So they can just multiply like exponentially until the whale's gone and then go find a new whale. <laughs> yeah, these guys are crazy. I they feel look... sick. And then like... I'm going to vomit for some reason. When there's like a predator, like they retract themselves like into the whale bone so the, like they don't get eaten. It's really strange. Like they are crazy. I implore everyone if they have the if they haven't eaten to look up photos and stuff of them it looks like coral gardens it's really interesting um yeah, let's move on yeah <laughs> yeah please let's move on yeah, let's, let's move on from the zombie one next one is an amphibian horror <laughs> i want you to do like a creepy scream sound after that no, not you. Like, find it and add it. Oh, find it. 
Why do you keep screaming? I'm not know. saying you. Okay. <laughs> I know what you mean. So Wolverine Frog. And Ooh, it's a bizarre Lee. hairy frog that yeah. has cat-like extendable claws. No. So it has many names. Wolverine Frog, Horror Frog. Oh, yeah. The females of the species look like typical frogs, but the males have these hair-like protrusions on their side and legs, and they only appear during the frog's breeding season. While their purpose was initially a mystery, researchers now believe the, that the hairs have arteries in them to assist with breathing, which is very strange. Oh, it's weird they're on the outside then. Oh, yeah, their other name is hairy frogs. Did I say that? They spend most of their lives on land, but they lay their eggs in shallow water. And the males actually have a small amount of parental care. Thank you. <laughs> so they help to protect the, the eggs. And apparently the hairs on them helps them get more oxygen and they can stay in the water to protect the eggs. Mm. But the males are also known for the retractable claws, which they use for defense. And this is why they're like, Wolverine. Yeah, which is why they're called Wolverine frogs. Instead of the um, claws being made of keratin like most animals, the hairy frogs, their um, claws are actually made of bone. And they force out these bony projections through their own skin when necessary. Like Wolverine, for defense, later they regenerate the torn skin. So they actually like tear their own skin to do this. I wonder if it hurts them or like what it feels like to them. And then, um, yeah, it regenerates and it heals itself until they need to do it again. Crazy. Imagine like a ninja hairy frog rolling up on you trying to like score. They have to puncture their own toe pads. Yeah, that's just crazy. But yeah, that's, that's really the most unique thing about them is just that they, I don't think there's any other creatures that can do that. And then... I, I know with amphibians, they are very good at regenerating. We need to learn some of their regenerating powers because they can regenerate very well. And we can't. Like, they can regenerate, like, a lot of things. Like, a lot of amphibians can regenerate quickly and, like, regenerate. Even, like, uh, arms and newts mm-hmm. and salamanders, like, have a really good regenerative ability. I read this really cool book about that, and it has to just do with, like, their electricity like they have a lot of like electricity in their body hmm. that allows them that's what it the is. energy to do it like because our bodies know how to regenerate it's just it doesn't have enough like power to do it yeah very interesting but yeah these frogs have a very cool power and i'm guessing that's where they got wolverine from yeah probably. You know? all right that was a pretty crazy looking frog we have uh one more this is going to blow your socks off. Oh. It's pretty darn crazy. I do say so myself. So I'm going to be covering as this last one. We're going to finish it off with a zombie. Ah. It is the, you know, we did zombie worms. Yeah. And now we're doing zombie ant fungus. Or better known as killer fungi. I think that's. So it's just fungus. It's not really an animal. No. But it's crazy what happens. So. Uh, look up killer fungi and uh, just look at the images that come up there while I talk about this because it's pretty crazy. So, so killer fungi 
in a nutshell, is a member of the fungi community. And it is a fungus that just grows normally. But this fungus has a secret superpower. Oh. And it walks among the animal community. Okay. It hijacks insects, Mm -hmm. mostly ants, by injecting parasitic fungi through airborne spores or through the nervous system and muscle tissue that control their every move. It's a calculating fungi. It infects just a lowly little foraging ant through spores that attach through plants, ground, leaves, things they walk over. And if it penetrates the atmosphere or their exoskeleton that they're walking near, over time it will slowly take over its behavior. The ant is then compelled to leave the nest. Once, once the spore starts to inject itself into the ant, it starts to leave the nest for a more humid microclimate that's favorable to the fungus's growth. The ant is then compelled to descend to a vantage point about 10 or so inches off the ground, sink its jaws into a leaf or a plant or some type of like vegetation, and wait for death. What this does is the fungi is telling the ant to basically find a good spot for the fungi to grow. So it'll guide the ant to like where it wants to go, basically. And it's like, all right, you're good. I don't need you anymore. This is seen in behavior in ants a lot. When an ant gets sick, it will leave the colony on its mm-hmm. own until it's better, as to not infect the rest of the colony. Because as you know, with ants, they're constantly like moving and going. And so if one was infected, they to risk to not risk infecting the queen and all the other ants, that ant leaves. Mm-hmm. And if he can better, he can come back. If not, he's out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's similar to this is where like when, a, when an ant's infected with the fungi, only the ant doesn't know they're infected. They have not a clue until they're hijacked already. It's like a silent killer. And the fungus will feed, this is the scary part, the fungus feeds on the victim's innards until it's ready for the final stage of lephitization or whatever. And several days after the ant died, the fungus will then fruit and, you know, after he's had enough food from the ant, he'll fruit and spore. And through the base of the ant's head, it basically has like a launch pad where it can jettison out and spread its spores and infect new ants. It just repeats this process over and over, just eating and killing ants and hijacking their bodies. The infection percentage is 100% lethal. If you get a spore as an ant, you're done. It's over. You cannot get rid of it. And the goal for these fungi, which is the only redeeming quality about them, is you cannot convert all the ants into zombies. For the ecosystem to stay balanced, the fungi have to keep the host ants in check. And so they know this, and so they only will infect around 100 to 200 per colony yeah it's like they know this like they're keeping the balance of nature while also eating and stuff and um no spores are also ever found in the brain so recent studies of killer fungi have come out that suggest that the fungus casts its mind control through bioactive compounds bioactive acids that interfere with your nervous system and control 
your muscles and nerves. So basically, imagine your body was moving on its own and walking, and your brain, like you knew mm-hmm. that you, you knew were conscious of what you was were conscious that couldn't. like you're moving and you cannot control your body and it's mm-hmm. moving on its own. This has led science. This is speculation. They do not know enough about the killer fungi at this point, but this is speculation. And this plant is specifically um, plants and fungi don't show signs of intelligence. They live through a process, mm-hmm. but this fungus has shown scientists that it can guide ants to around us a, a floor. It can guide ants. It knows where it's going, and it can guide ants to a leaf, to somewhere that they need to go. And then it knows when to move on, like from a colony. Like the colony mm-hmm. speaks to itself and then moves on to another colony somewhere across the rainforest floor. <clears throat> scientists think that this fungi is sentient. And other scientists call them a crack of hoax, that it's just another fungi that's developed. Mm. Either way, whatever it is, how sentient the fungi is, um, it's brutal. Yeah. And scary. Very and creepy. many scientists have hypothesized, like, what if there was this fungi that, you know, developed someday into animals, not just ants? Like, what if, what if there was another fungi species that evolved and then, like, started doing this to animals, started doing this to humans, and started, you No, know. that'd be bad. Yeah. And so scientists are trying to find out more information about why this is doing this to the ants and if it'll ever spread to humans. Well, it's eating, mostly. Yeah, I mean, so far, I mean, what they found out is that it's harmless in a sense that it's not destroying the ecosystem. It's not mm-hmm. an invasive species. It's not killing entire colonies. It's leaving enough it's just un- really creepy and scary and when i found that i was like that is the, yeah that is the scariest thing in the animal kingdom not even the animal <laughs> just like the whole encompassing of like you what know life doing. on earth that is the scariest thing i found a lot of these were like these animals really freaked me out to be honest and if if you pull up pictures along with them then you'll feel a lot more freaked out yeah <laughs> Everyone who's been listening, like, I hope you've been pulling pictures up of these things and seeing them. I feel very uncomfortable right now. (laughs) From the fungi? Just multiple. Like, the last few especially. Yeah. I feel unwell. Ooh, spooky. They really are creepy and spooky. I don't, yeah. So I hope you guys have enjoyed our Halloween episode. (sighs) I wanted to have one more, uh, I guess, honorable mention. We're not going to talk about him, but I just wanted to show you. I think he's cool. It's the black dragonfish. The he, little. They're, they're really tiny. They are really tiny. But if you didn't know they were tiny, <sighs> they look terrifying. They do. They look like little baby dragons in the ocean. And I just like these guys. They're really cool looking. And I just, you know, the coolest fact about them is, guess how deep they live? Deep? Mm-hmm. 5,000 mm-hmm. deep. I don't know. They live around 10,000 feet deep. Hmm. They're like one of the deepest living hmm. creatures in the ocean. They're just so creepy. I'm they, done with the creepy animals. They look like little dragons with teeth. <sighs> All right. That was our episode. I hope everyone enjoyed or was, you know, the, 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 the point of this episode was to scare you. It scared me. <laughs> but the spooky Halloween. I'm ready to go watch Scooby-Doo. Yeah, we should go solve some mysteries. So 
Thank you guys for tuning in and diving in with us on this emotionless episode. We promise next episode is going to be tame. It's not going to be scary. We're done with Halloween. <laughs> We're going to have a normal episode. Um, so we hope this has implored you guys to, you know, get lost on YouTube or Wikipedia looking up really scary creatures of the rainforests and deep depths and have fun. <laughs> I don't have nightmares. Mm-mm. We don't want we we are not responsible for any nightmares that we may have caused today. Sleep well, friends. That sounded creepy. Happy Halloween. Oh, you're giving me chills. <laughs> Welcome to the Happy Halloween. That's the spooky. Of so like, you know, have a good Halloween, everyone. You're not gonna hear I don't think we're gonna hear from everyone until Halloween's over. Yeah, so everyone have a great Halloween. Get some good trick-or-treats. Eat some Reese's Pieces cups. That's a requirement for Halloween. Every U.S. citizen needs to ingest at least one Reese's Pieces cup. That was our episode. It's been a long one. I hope you all have a good night, day, car ride, work shift, uh, bike ride, walk with your dog, Saturday chill session, and whatever else you do, listen to podcasts. Bye. Bye. Oy. Goodbye. Aren't the mushrooms scary? Yes, I don't want to talk about them. <laughs>